This is the Pulse of Healthcare, broadcast from the Ovation Health Studios. Our podcast targets the challenges surrounding healthcare today in the United States. Our host, Dr. John McCormick, an expert in the industry, offers common sense and pioneering solutions for the future of healthcare. Welcome to the Whole Healthcare. This is Dr. John McCormick, and today we're going to talk a little bit about pharmacy, one of my least favorite subjects when we're talking about healthcare in general. And just to kind of put it in perspective, estimated here in 2023, we're going to have a $655 billion with a B industry in RX. And that's just mind-boggling. You know, America is one of the biggest utilizers of pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, on average, Americans are on two to four prescriptions. And then the further we get in life, the more prescriptions we get on. If you compare us to other countries, Asian countries and things like that, they're on zero to one. So not only do we have a healthcare system that instead of treating you to make you well, what they do is they're masking your symptoms. So we're in this sick care cycle that we're trying to overcome through pharmaceutical expense. And now we have major insurance companies that are owned by pharmaceutical companies that are owned by hospitals or own hospitals in turn. So you almost have a closed system, I hate to say, of profiteering. So there, you know, if you step back and think, I'm dealing with a public company who tells me their priority is their shareholders and to make money. And I'm going to them to get well. What are my odds that they're looking to make me well inside of that closed loop system where they make money when I go to the doctor, they make money when I go to the hospital, and they make money on every single prescription that they give me. I think my odds are low. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Chad? Yeah, I think it's hard to evaluate the system in such a way that um, that it, it's here for the people, right? Anytime you have a for-profit system, like you stated, it tends to be a uh, little disingenuous. I mean, we see these medications that can uh, range for from the generic for $10 on your basic insurance or $5 copay even, and then you go into the brand and look how nice their commercial is, right? And so they have a bunch of people running on the beach and uh, hanging out with their family. And wouldn't you like to run on the beach and hang out with your family? And all you have to do is pay $10,000 instead of $5. It's, it's, it's literally amazing. And, and the EpiPen story, I mean, a lot of people know about the EpiPen story. It came on the market. It was under 100 bucks. It was a, it was a life-saving deal. And suddenly it went from 100 to 200 to 300 to 400 to 500 to 600 Nothing changed, just just profiteering, you know. And, and when they were confronted about it, it's like, well, everybody else does it, you know. And I think about what we're trying to do every day, you know, because we're up against a billion dollars worth of advertising. If you look at the budgets for the, the big pharma, Johnson Johnson, Pfizer, 
if you go back when I was a kid and we, and you were watching TV, you know, you were had food products and things like that, commercials and things like that. Now, if you watch anything, nightly news brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. What? <laughs> Dupixin. Get it today. Yeah. Like anyone can just get Dupixin today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could be watching, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants and it's brought to you by Merrick, you know? Yeah. And, and they readily admit they actually spend more money on advertising than they do on the research and development of the pharmaceutical to begin with. So what's the real motive? Is the real motive R&D, getting a break product to market, actually helping save lives, or rushing a product to market like we've seen with some of these these new drugs and then using them off-brand like we've seen with these new, uh, especially like Ozempic and, and Wachovia and things like that that are just uh, the, the detrimental effects of those being used off-label. Uh, there's a new report every week of somebody getting violently ill from that. And, you know, God knows what paralysis, paralysis, uh, you know, uh, I don't even want to describe the gastrointestinal uh, (laughs) studies that are going on for people using that off brand. And, and yet there we are, you know, and it's, and and we got people paying hugely costly things. And then people that actually need it, you know, they can't get it. It's, it's not available. So there's this really big disconnect on the pharmaceutical side between what's a life-saving drug and who actually needs it, what's a, what's a drug that's available that's being used wrong, and then, as you pointed out, there's a whole range of generics and biosimilars that are extraordinarily cheap, but they don't have the billion-dollar commercial. Yeah. And, and then we, as a health plan, when we go back and say, yeah, I understand that that's what you saw on TV and you got a skin rash, you know, but you know that 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 pill they want to give you only will destroy your liver if you read it, right? But we do have some biosimilars and some other generic safer drugs that'll do the same thing. I, I got to have the brand name. And that's how we've conditioned our ourselves, you know, and I say it often, you know, so many times people, when they engage in healthcare, regardless of what phase, it's almost like we turn off our really smart consumer brain and we just shut it down. And we go with, what did the commercial say? Or what makes me think, you know, what, what, what you know, they made me feel good by seeing somebody ride a horse down the beach. <laughs> so I have a really cool story of one of our members that uh, they were diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and they were getting infusion therapy. And then they switched health plans, right? So they they come to us and, and request the, you know, a different infusion therapy, uh, but nonetheless, uh, another infusion therapy that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we request medical records, and upon reviewing the medical records, they now have drug-induced lupus from the previous infusion therapy that they were on, that they were taking. But they want to try this new one, another new one that's on the market, because... I don't, I don't know. They want to try to collect all of these autoimmune diseases from the drug. I, I can't. I can't wrap my head around it. At I, what point do you draw the line and try something? You know, an alternative where you keep doing these infusion therapies that are, that they're not. Like you said, they aren't. You know, they're not putting the money into the testing. And so, so I'm going to share a personal story. And since this is going out to the public, do not try this at home. All right. <laughs> you know, please do things with your doctor's recommendation or at least consultation. But back in April this year, I was a stern 190 pounds at my 
little five foot eight height. And so I was pretty roly poly for, for my size. And I was on some, uh, some pharmaceuticals for prediabetes and cholesterol and high blood pressure. And, you know, I came out of 22 years in the middle military, fit as a fiddle, you know, but when I got out, I, I forgot to do something. I forgot to change my eating habits and things like that when I changed my physical habits. So I went from going 16 hours a day and burning 4,000 calories, you know, and eating whatever I wanted to going about half that amount of time, burning about a fourth of those calories and still eating the same kind of food. And so I developed and all the things you develop with that kind of stuff, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, I got pre-diabetic, I got GERD, so I had subsex stomach all the time, and it was one pharmaceutical after another. And and finally, I, in consultation with my, my sister, who happens to be a doctor of Western, of Chinese medicine, replaced all of that with natural supplements. Now, let me tell you the immediate effect of that. Now, here, sitting here in, in August, I am 33 pounds lighter. You know, I feel great. Um, my eyesight actually has improved. My skin condition has improved. I am still working with a Western medicine doctor. I'm getting my blood checked. You know, I'm consulting with them routinely to make sure things get back into great homeostasis. But I think, you know, I'm in this business and I got wrapped up in the RX piece because that's the easy thing to do, yeah. you know. And, and sometimes, you know, we need to, and, and for, for people working with us and our plan, we're going to give you the medicine that you need, all right? We're going to walk you through the steps. We're going to give you the options. We want to make sure that you get the, the, the right pharmaceutical for what you need. But we're also going to help you explore all of the options on the table because, honestly, I don't think people ought to be like me. You know, it took me, I'm 60 years old. I had to wake up at 60. It took me 15 years to wake up, you know, when I started getting all these drugs. And, and I, you know, and every year I'm getting my blood checked. Did my liver collapse? Did my kidneys collapse? And I'm thinking... I'm checking all these things because I'm taking pharmaceuticals. <laughs> I need to get off of those. How do I do it? And it was, you know, pretty simple. Change in diet, change in nutrition, continue to monitor. Yeah. Uh, so to, to share my, uh, I'm not on any pharmaceutical medications. I'm actually allergic to every single one I've ever taken. Um, but I do like to look at market and market research. And then I'm also very a man of science. And... Sometime in the mid-2000s, a article had come out. Uh, it was from a U.K. doctor. Um, can't quote his name for the life of me because he's also Indian. Um, but he had, <clears throat> he had released an article that was basically, um, you, it was titled, You Can Eat Butter. And it was a really scathing, it was a huge deal in the mid-2000s. I mean, here's this article saying that I can have bacon, I can have butter, and basically nobody needs to, they had found through their research and proper scientific procedure and method that uh, statins were largely being overprescribed and that only people with genetically high cholesterol were actually at risk of uh, major cholesterol issues, the complications that come with that. 
And just having high cholesterol didn't mean necessarily correlate. This drug was actually more detrimental. And um, so here, here's this actually peer-reviewed paper. The science is there. And statins, even today, 15 years later, is still billions of dollars. Well, worth and, their, and they're worth mandated. Industry. Yeah. They're mandated. If you're on Medicare or Medicaid, that's one of the big check marks. That if the doctor doesn't prescribe you a statin when you have high cholesterol, then they get a they get a bad mark, and their reimbursement goes down. Yes. So we're monetarily incentivizing doctors to overprescribe medicines when they may not be needed because the quote unquote insurance agent, the insurance companies mandate it, and the federal government mandates it. Not that it's good for you. Yeah. You know, and and we have thousands of doctors that we work with and this is one of those hard discussions that we have to have you know like well you know the federal government says if you don't then you know they're going to reduce your your payment from 80 per, from from 100% to to 80% yeah. Well, so now I'm going to lose money because I'm doing the right thing for my patient. It doesn't make any sense. Well, so the 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 famous end of that story is that that doctor basically went into work. He had finally uh, he's was in one of the most prestigious hospitals in the UK, and he goes into work, and everyone's you know clapping his peer reviewed paper and it's telling him it's amazing um, until he got brought into the hospital director's office um, in which he was fired. Yeah. Uh, he was told that he never should have released that paper, um, that it was extremely damaging to the industry. How could you possibly tell our patients that when we've been prescribing statins for a year? You've made the hospital look bad, and and that's that's what the that's what you're working against, right? It's not. It wasn't for you. He had actually done the science and done everything correctly, and here we are in this industry that says, "Well, I, but we were making money, right?" So, uh, well, it reminds me of that 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 saying. You know, I, I went looking for the science. And I couldn't find it, and I went looking for the money, and I found the science. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and that's what we're, you know, that's what we see. So, obviously, I'm not, I'm not anti-medicine. I, I think, I think there's a time and a place for it, and there's a right level for those kind of things, and we want to look at those things critically, right? So, I'm going to transition this just for a minute. I want to transition the conversation about some of the things that we do at Ovation Health. To help do that, so we're, I hate to say we're like every other health plan because God for God forbid, God forbid, we're not. You know, uh, we we do want to explore all the alternatives. So we do want to explore biosimilars and things like that. We don't think anybody should be paying thousands of dollars a month, you know, for the rest of their life. You know, when there's other options, lifestyle changes or even uh, different mechanisms to get the same or similar drug through a different venue. You know, just like we overutilize medicine in the U.S., we also overcharge for it. So fortunately, we do have some options. We use FQACs, federally qualified health clinics. We can give us some pretty significant discounts on some of the drugs. And then we can also use international sourcing. I'm going to let Mandy talk a little bit about international sourcing, but it hurts my heart to think that we have to go to Mexico or Canada or the Netherlands, is it? Yeah, we don't go to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I know you, you do not get I, our drugs from Mexico. I, I, know, you, I know you can. Yeah. I don't think we do. Can, but, uh, Canada and New Zealand. Largely. Canada and New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. Australia, yeah. Um, Australia. 
Yeah. So to to get to get a drug that costs six thousand dollars here for eight hundred bucks, right. you know, at, we have to ship it around the planet to get a discount. What, what's that about? Um, we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we just know that we can. So we've got this company um, that we work with. Uh, more than most, um, and they actually work directly with the members, right? So there's no middleman. Um, they do they steer the person, and, and they do 90 day supplies, right? So this, I think it, that cuts out a lot of expense right off the top. Um, not having the middlemen, and you know the pharmacies and the providers, and all of the people that interfere. So you go through this international outsourcing. Um, and they do. They they look for the medications from countries that are. There's five of them, I believe. So um, so the the main part of it is that the the markets in those countries are competitive because in the U S. you can patent medication, um, and they don't have that same problem there. So the prices need to be competitive, and then you just pay their prices to get it here. But what was the reason? I, I remember uh, Casey talking to us about um, they they only you know actually outsourced from those five countries and i don't remember what her reasoning was it had something to do with like the safety measures like so certified labs and yeah, yeah yeah and the healthcare in those countries right we're talking about canada australia new zealand i mean that's places yeah. that actually t- tend to care about the healthcare. <laughs> so i mean you could you could really talk about pharmaceuticals and the pharmaceutical industry for for a week and not even scratch the surface of the no, not at all. all the things that are wrong with it Well, you know, just to add to that, so, you know, we also do, um, we'll help members sign up for manufacturer discounts and rebates, right, as well as copay cards from the manufacturer, from these manufacturers. And it can get the medication down to essentially what they would pay for the international outsourcing. So how is it that they can sell to some people who who actually put put forth the effort and, you know, apply for the help, financial assistance through the manufacturer? They'll allow them to buy this drug for $50 or $60, even though they're selling it to everyone supposedly, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000. You know, I mean, so how is it that they offer this financial assistance? It's, It's all bogus. I, I mean, I guess I guess that's part of why we keep our patient advocates in business, yeah, right? What, yeah. what we do, our, our, my, my, two of my patient advocates here, you know, but it, it that's another thing that pains me that we in, in, in America have created hurdles to being able to get the best care, you know. So if you don't have an advocate, you know, like we have at Ovation or if you, you know, if you're just out there in the wilderness by yourself, it can be really challenging and in some cases almost insurmountable to be able to get the prescription that you need you know and I say need in quotes you know because I I, I do honestly think that you know everyone should not only work with their provider but you know in, in our case work with your carrier I mean we have a vast amount of experience across thousands of people you know and we're going to bring all of that knowledge to you because you know sometimes your doctor doesn't have the best way you know we might have a better way because we've gone through it before kind of like the all-state commercial we know a lot because we've seen a lot yeah you know we have we've seen a lot and we know we know that sometimes there are better ways to do it that are that make not only financial sense but also make great medical sense yeah, and I think a little bit goes back to uh, when we were talking about telemedicine, right? So we, we actually provide access to uh, nutritionists. 
and that that type of care through one of the services that's just attached to our plan. Yeah, like chronic care management. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it, these Educating. are the types of things you can pursue. I mean, there's tons of just amazing nutritionists out there that have extremely high success rates uh, with their patients. And you can explore that avenue before you go, hey, let me try to get some Ozempic, which is largely out of stock. And honestly, I should be saving for the people that are confirmed type 2 diabetes. Well, what you should say, too, you can add that these nutritionists, that they have cure rates. You know, not treatment. This is this, These are cures. Yeah, we're right yeah. back to well care, right? Yeah, yeah. I would rather be off meds and healthy because I've chosen to eat right than on meds because I can't control what I put in my mouth. Right. You Absolutely. know? And, and, you know, as a military guy for 22 years, you know, it's not like I sprang out of bed and went, I want to go to the gym or run five miles. You know, there's a reason we did that in teams, because we held each other accountable, right? You know, so when everybody tells me, I'm going to go sign up for the gym, I go get a buddy, all right? Because unless you're just a gym rat, you need somebody to hold you accountable to say, you know what, let's go to the gym. Oh, I don't want to go today. Let's go. Because, you know, two weeks later, you're the one. Let's go. Let's go to the gym. You know, same thing. Having a nutritionist and, and having that as part of our plan, I think is a huge value add because they hold you accountable. You know, hey, did you weigh in? Are you, are you eating the right foods? And I'm not talking about celery and carrots, all right? I mean, <laughs> there's a broad range of foods that you can eat that are healthy and normal. And it's not like, you know, cutting out ice cream and cutting out pizza. It may be have one slice and not six, you know, <laughs> or something like that. But it's about finding balance. And, and yeah. we find that the nutritionists help do that. In my experience working with uh, inpatient advocacy with people when I have dealt with medications, they're often, often I do get a lot of people that have evaluated the risks. Um, in terms of the side effects, but I often have n- never gotten anybody that has considered the alternatives, right? right? So they, they, some people come forward with knowledge of like, hey, I, I understand that these are the risks or the side effects, or I would rather go on this because these are the risks and the side effects of, of A versus B. But oftentimes, I mean, there's just a complete, there's a complete workaround. Yeah. When you um, could say, yeah, well, you know, if you just took magnesium and Turamac and, and, cram- and, 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 and yeah. cranberry and, and drink some cranberry juice, you'd cure your UTI. Uh, you know, your leg cramps would go away. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, so there's, but that's not what doctors and pharmacies are in the business to do. They're not in that business. To cure. But, but, but that's what, you know, that's part of our business model. And I think maybe that's yet another one degree of separation that we might have. That we certainly are are uh, advocates of natural paths and natural cures and things like that, where there's no side effects, and you know it's actually working with your own body to bring yourself into homeostasis. Yep. Anyway, a great talk about uh, pharmacy. We'll. Uh, certainly springboard on to another subject here in a couple of weeks. I don't know what that's going to be yet. Oh, but there's so many. There's a, it, there's, it's a cherry pick. Uh, we may do um, email or caller questions. So if you're listening to us and you have some questions, make sure that you uh, email us or, or you can call in and say, hey, I have a question for the next podcast, and we'll jump right on it and answer it. Absolutely. Mandy? What's that email? What's that email? What's the email? Chad, 
Well, oh, the e- I have to provide the email. I was supposed to email have us? the email. Oh, okay. Oh. That is that is no. It's it's communications uh, with an S at innovations. I n n o v a t i o n s is in Sam h r dot com. So communications at innovations dot com, or you can uh, give us a call. You can go to ovation dot health to find awesome. all the relevant contact info. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.